So, so I want to read one scripture here. We're in this series called Air Force. I want to read one scripture found in the book of Luke chapter number 18, verse 1. This is a statement that flows from the lips of Jesus himself. Jesus says this. He t- Luke 18, verse 1. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they should always pray and not give up. I, I want to talk from this subject in our time together, uh, family. Here it is. Don't cross this line. Clap your hands if you're excited already. If you're excited about the word, don't, don't, don't cross this line. Family, I grew up in an age, in an era, and maybe it still exists, but I'm a little older now. I grew up in an age, in an era where in school there was a designated period of rest and reprieve called recess. And during the recess period, students would engage in recreational activity for a designated period of time before returning to the classroom for the purpose of learning. And more often than not, in my experience, that time of recess was managed appropriately and properly. Were people engaging in games, students enjoying one another's company, but from time to time, that period was not managed appropriately. And there would be some conflict and some consternation. (laughs) And, And when some of this conflict and consternation transpired and took place, someone would often get to the point where they were tired of yapping and ready for scrapping. So as an indication that they were close to their wits end, as an expression of their uh, decreasing and diminishing ability to be able to compose themselves, they would very often say a phrase that was a word of warning to whoever they were talking to. They would literally or metaphorically draw a line in the sand or on the ground and say, don't cross that line. And although I am not in any way condoning violence or encouraging that type of activity, I do believe that experience has some exegetical value because sometimes in life, not necessarily physically, but spiritually, you got to draw a line and you got to tell the adversary, don't cross that line. Did you hear what I just said? I said the scriptures are clear in communicating that your adversary is a bully. Jesus, Peter says he goes about like a roaring lion. What does the roar do? The roar is supposed to be a roar of warning, but some have rightly said he's a roaring lion, but he's a toothless lion. His bark is bigger than his bite. He's a bully and bullies need boundaries. If you don't set a boundary, a bully will continually and consistently bully you. And this is why it's extraordinarily important for believers to have the spiritual audacity and ability to say, you know what? I'm drawing a line in the sand and I'm letting the enemy know, don't cross this line. Darius, where are you getting this imagery from? Well, Mark Batterson, 
in his book, Circle Maker, masterfully articulates what it means to draw a line. He, he, he tells this story, this Jewish legend of an individual that existed a generation before Jesus, existed during a time period where there was a devastating famine that hit the land. Remember now, they were living in an agrarian society. So if agriculture is not prospering, nothing is. The animals couldn't eat. They couldn't trade animals and they couldn't eat because they grew their own food. Am I making sense? And so people were dying in this famine and food was diminishing as a result of this famine. And there was this man who lived this borderline ascetic life, this eccentric sage named Honey. And the Bible says it got to the point where the people in the town said, go find Honey. They go and find Honey who's living this secluded, borderline, ascetic, monastic life. And they say, Honey, has got to rain. We got to do something. So the legend says that Honey gets up from his seat. He's getting old. Can't move as fast as he used to. Looks frail on the outside, but there's power on the inside. Honey walks outside using his staff to help him maintain his balance. And the, t and the legend goes that Honey draws a circle in the sand, <laughs> kneels down in the middle of that circle and says, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have mercy on your children. And, the, and the, the legend goes, as the prayer ascended to heaven, the raindrops begin to fall. It was sprinkling, not pouring. Whereas an ordinary individual with ordinary faith would have been satisfied. But Honey understood the difference between contentment and complacency. He said, I'm grateful, but I'm not satisfied. So where the average person would have got out of the circle, Honey stayed right there in the circle. And he says to God, not for such rain have I prayed. He says, I pray for rain that will fill cisterns. I pray for rain that will overflow in pits. I pray for rain that will come out of caves. And the Bible says, I mean, the legend says the sprinkle turned into a downpour and the rainmaker began to make it rain. It was raining everywhere. Honey gets up, takes his staff, walks back to his seat and digs the scene with the prophet lean. Whoop, whoop. You, you, you miss what I just said. See, see, don't miss the point of the, the parable family. Heaven opens when lines are drawn. Did you hear what I just said? 
So we don't draw lines with a pen. We draw lines with prayer. Prayer is the way we draw spiritual lines and that prayer becomes an invitation for God's intervention in that situation. Listen to me, y'all. Prayer is oral, written, or mental. Communication with God the Father in the name of Jesus the Son with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. It's oral or written. Now, I used to think written prayers weren't real prayers. Then I had to realize part of the book of Psalms are prayers. And the same spirit that leads me to pray it out of my mouth is the same spirit that can lead me to write it on paper. It's oral, written, or mental. And the problem with many people's anemic prayer life is that they subjected themselves to religious pressure and conformity. And so they assume that if I'm not doing it a certain way, I'm not doing it the right way. And people aren't consistent because they have not customized their prayer life to how God has wired them. See, the way God's wired me, I can sit in one place and pray. But some people are creative and they're inspirational and they can't sit and pray. They got to walk and pray. And some of us are only sane in the membrane right now because there was a mother, a father, a grandmother, a grandfather, an aunt, a sister, a brother who wasn't sitting and praying. They were walking and praying. Praying in the kitchen. Praying around the house. And when they were praying, they were drawing a circle. Y'all better come get me today. I said the only reason some of our lives have not fallen apart because you've been in some mess, but you are also in a circle. You were in some drama, but you were in a circle. You were in the wrong place at the wrong time, but you're still here because somebody... And told the devil, don't cross that line. You were in the wrong place. You were spinning the block and they were pleading the blood. And I have a question. Here's the question. Where are the honies? Why do we have to keep referring to previous generations when we're talking about prayer? Y'all, let me, somebody online, somebody help me preach this. I say, why is it when we talk about examples of circle makers, we aren't talking about people in our current contemporary generation? So my question is, we, will we have a testimony that our children won't? Where are the honies? Heaven doesn't open until lines are drawn. And I don't care how good your ground game is. If your air force isn't strong, there's something you missing. 
This is what's scary. Because, because prayer opens the heavens, you never know what you miss. Did you hear what I just said? That's what's scary. It's like you missing stuff. You don't even know how to grieve. Because you don't even know what you miss. And God's like, you have no idea what I wanted to do. Well, God, why didn't you just do it? Didn't you read my book? I told James, I tapped James on the shoulder. I told James to give you a text message and tell you you have not. Because you ask not. Watch this. Because, of, because your refusal to ask is a demonstration that you got faith in yourself. Did you hear what I just said? He said, your refusal to ask is a demonstration that you got faith in yourself. So I got to let you get to the end of yourself so that you see faith in yourself is not enough. Do you need to believe in yourself? Yes. Do you need to believe in more than yourself? Absolutely. So some stuff you're working, not working, because you're only working in one realm. You're marketing a business that you're not bathing in prayer. My business is covered in prayer. I labor in prayer over my business. When I'm launching an initiative, I'm praying against the enemy. Y'all, come on. And there's a word that the Bible uses or that God uses in the Old Testament specifically. To describe people who understand and embrace this assignment. The word that the Bible uses is a word called watchman. <laughs> yeah. Ezekiel chapter 3 verse 16. It says at the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me and said son of man I have made you a watchman. Hosea chapter 9 verse 8, the prophet along with my God is the watchman over Ephraim. Isaiah 62 verse 6, I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. He's using military analogy. They didn't have drones and satellites back in those days. So they had to assign an individual to sit or stand in an elevated booth or tower and to watch and see if enemy armies were coming. And based off of what they saw, they were able to articulate to others that something is on the way that can threaten us. So it gave them time to prepare for battle because they saw it coming. And so God says, I want to use that imagery to help you understand your responsibility to pray. They had to go up to see you go down the sea. Where are the watchmen? Who's drawing circles? I know we're grinding, but who's drawing circles? I know we're having strategic conversation, but who's drawing circles? I know we're getting coaching and we should, but who's drawing circles? I know we're getting counseling and we should, but who's drawing circles? You see, a watchman, this is, this is so interesting. A watchman wasn't responsible for seeing everything. They weren't supposed to see for every army. They were supposed to see for theirs. They had a jurisdiction. 
that they were responsible for. And they were assigned to watch for their jurisdiction. See, you have a jurisdiction. And if you don't watch for your jurisdiction, who's going to watch? Who's in your jurisdiction? Your children. And if you aren't drawing the circle around them, who is? I want y'all to know people don't pray like they say they pray now. Did you hear what I just said? I said people will tell you they're praying for you. They're not praying. People will tell you they will pray for you and intend to pray for you and forget. Did you hear what I just said? So if you're not drawing a circle around your children, who is? If you aren't drawing a circle around your marriage, who is? If you aren't drawing a circle around your business, who is? If you aren't drawing a circle around your mind, sometimes your mind is going through things and other people have no idea what your mind is going through. And if you aren't saying, Lord, you promised me a sound mind. I put a circle around this mind. The blood covers this mind. This is a sound mind. This is a whole mind. This is a happy mind. This is a mind of joy. This is a mind of peace. Who's watching your jurisdiction? You got to draw circles. 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 When, when, when you draw circles, think, things change. <laughs> can, can I show you four things a circle will do? Real quickly. Here's the first thing, his thing, here's his first thing a, circle, a circle does. A circle, watch this. A circle brings prevention. See, another word for a circle is a word we see used in the book of Job, and it's a word called hedge. Hi-ya-ya-ya-ya-ya-ya. Don't you mess with me. I said it was a hedge. A hedge. Remember, the Bible says the enemy has an audience with God, and God asks the enemy, what have you been doing? He said, I've been going. To and fro, to see whose life I can destroy and devour. And God said, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, yeah, but you got a hedge around him, his household, and everything he has. God didn't say to the devil, there's a hedge around Job. The devil said to God, there's a hedge around Job. So my question is, how did the devil know there's a hedge around Job unless he tried to get to Job and the hedge? You didn't hear what I just said. And the hedge blocked it. I need somebody in here, somebody online to give God a hedge praise. The devil tried to get through. Praise him for the stuff he blocked that you don't even know about. 
Y'all thought that heads just got there automatically? You didn't read Job. The Bible says that Job would daily go and pray and offer sacrifices for his children. Every day he got up and drew a circle around him. Drew a circle around his household and drew a circle around his business. See, this is why you have to be careful making statements about whether or not prayer works. Because you don't always see the results of your prayer. Did you hear what I just said? See, sometimes we're so busy looking at the things that gain through the hedge. You don't know how much more is outside the hedge. Prayer's working even when you don't see its work. Prayer not working, he's like, and God's like, you have no idea how you got here and there safely. Hedge. Okay, here's, here's number two. So prevention. Y'all ready for number two? Say yes. Okay, prevention. Here's the second one, preservation. So let's get real honest here with our theology. Uh, sometimes a watchman would see something, but the force was the enemy forces were so strong that they still got through the gate. And if you keep reading Job's story, there was some stuff that get, didn't get in the hedge at first. They got through the hedge later. And because we only talk about prevention, or mostly talk about prevention, most people fail to see in Christian spaces the blessing of preservation. We think if something gets through the hedge, we win. We lose. And God's like, if I don't protect you from it, I'm going to preserve you in it. He said, ask the Hebrew boys, won't I do it? I didn't prevent. But when they got in that fire furnace, I got in there with them and I preserved them in. What I didn't prevent from happening. To, ask Daniel, won't I do it? I didn't prevent him from going in the lion's den. But when he went in the lion's den, I preserved him. And is there anybody here that's honest enough to say, I'm in the fire furnace right now. But somehow I'm preserved. I'm not falling apart. I'm not having a breakdown. It's because prayer is preserving you in it. You ready for number three? Say yes. Okay. See, only people who really understand their assignment to influence the seven sectors of the earth are going to get excited about this. Some people who have, who have been impacted with a Gnostic version of spirituality, they're going to have trouble with this one. People who, who, who believe what the Gnostics believe, that everything, that everything that is visible is inferior to that which is visible. And if it's visible, a matter of matter, then it is evil. If a person leans there, they, they're going to miss this one. But, but let me give it to, 
to, to, to the few of y'all that I believe really ready for this. Here's number three. Prayer, not only drawing circles, not only gives you prevention, not only gives you preservation, it gives you possession. See, watch this. Because there's something that's like, I don't want nothing, Pastor. I'm just fine. Nothing wrong with not wanting nothing, but there's nothing wrong with want something either. Right. I'm a, let, me, let me find somebody online say yes. Yeah, I, I, I said, if you want nothing, there's nothing wrong with wanting nothing. But there's nothing wrong with me want something. And I want somebody that's not ashamed to say, that's some stuff I want. The, 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 yeah, that's him. I thank God for life, health, and strength, but there's some stuff I want. Boy, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to talk about this later in the series. But there's some stuff that you want that's behind a strong man. Is that the book? So see, now we use that word in charismatic circles, but we never explain what the strong man is. I don't have time today, but I'll get you later this month. I said, Jesus said, if you want what the strong man has, boy, if I had time. He said, you must first bind the strong man. And once you bind the strong man, you can possess what belongs to you. I, Lord, this is later. I'm going to get to this later. I promise you I'm going to get to this later. But, if it, but I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth. will be bound in heaven whatever you loose on earth some things aren't possessed because there isn't prayer you have not because you asked not There's some stuff Because we're pursuing but not praying. And God's like, do y'all believe all that stuff I told Paul? About powers, principalities, spiritual weakness in high places. He said, y'all believe everything else Paul said but that? He said, you believe all this stuff that Paul said, but then when he gets to that part, you don't take that part seriously. He said, you didn't read what happened in Daniel 10 when Daniel fasted 21 days trying to possess some clarity. He needed clarity. He needed clarity on something. So he fasted to get clarity and he fasted 21 days. Then finally, he gets an answer from from God, a messenger, an angel. And he said, listen, from the first day, am I in the book? He said, from the first day you made the request, I heard it. God heard it. And he said, he sent me. But he said, y'all, are y'all ready? I'm in the book. He said, but the prince of Persia withstood me. He's not talking about a literal prince. He's saying the principality that's assigned to the region of Persia withstood me. And he said, I had to call for Michael, one of the chief princes, an archangel. Come on. 
to come and overthrow the principality so that you could get your answer. God's like, so you believe John 3.16, but you don't believe that? That there is a realm that exists outside the realm of the five senses and activity in that realm impacts and influences this realm. That's not spooky. That's smart. It just makes sense. When you look at all of the evil in the world, you got to believe in evil. That there is something influencing evil, evil in the earth that makes no sense. When people just take innocent people's lives. Y'all not ready for this kind of talk here. Y'all know Judas, Judas, it wasn't just greed that caused Judas to betray Jesus. Read the book. This is what the book says. It says, and Satan put it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. So the desire to betray was a desire that was deposited by the devil. And we're trying to deal with some of these desires without dealing with the one that's depositing it. I'm done, Tario. They tired. They tired. I got one more. I got one more. And I'm sorry, y'all. This is my favorite one. All of them are important. But this one right here is my favorite. Because not only does drawing a circle give you prevention, preservation, Possession, it also gives you a pivot. I don't know <laughs> if you know what a pivot is. But for those that don't know, a pivot is a sudden turnaround. <laughs> Woo! It means things were heading in one direction. Things were going in one direction. And then all of a sudden, there's a swift turnaround. <laughs> I got to go. But the Bible says there's this king named Hezekiah. And God speaks to the prophet Isaiah and says, go and tell the king to get his house in order. He's a man of influence. So his passing is going to affect other people greatly. So I need him to get his succession plan in order. I need him to get the distribution of his assets in order. So that when he passes away, my people aren't in chaos. The Bible says that Isaiah delivers the news. Hezekiah. This is what the text says. It says he turned his face to the wall. Which means he turned his back on some things. And he began to pray. And begin to remind God of his faithfulness. And the Bible says that while Isaiah was walking back to his house, God spoke to Isaiah and said, turn around. Go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm giving him 15 more years. I don't know who this is for, but I came to tell somebody that God's getting ready to make your Isaiah turn around. Hey.
I got to go. <laughs> Woo! They told you they couldn't do it. They're going to turn around. They told you they wouldn't do it. They're going to turn around. They told you it wouldn't happen. They're going to turn around. Is there anybody that's believing for a pivot in some area of your life? He turned up. in one direction prayer produces pivots Woo! did you hear what I just said a relationship going off the rails prayer produces pivots business thinking prayer produces pivots health failing Prayer produces pivots. Career falling apart. Prayer produces pivots. Heart broken. Prayer produces. And God is stirring us through this series to be circle makers. Say, you got a jurisdiction that you're responsible for. And when the watchmen don't watch, others besides the watchmen suffer. That prayer is not just how you call on God. It is a part of your calling. Watch this. A disciple is a watchman. And I speak this over you. You've been working hard, but things are about to shift because now you're about to work right. Lord, we repent. taking this aspect of our assignment serious. You said we should always pray and never give up. And Lord, some of us gave up. 
it felt like it wasn't working. But today we repent. And we draw a circle around everybody and everything that is in our jurisdiction. Our minds, our hearts, our children, our spouses, our parents, our companies, our churches, our leaders. We draw circles in the name of Jesus. For when circles are drawn, heavens are opened. We declare this in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and say amen. I feel something on this. Somebody giving praise. Put fire in the chat. Lift praise in this room. Hey, 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 hey. How many glad you came to church today? How many glad you watched the service? Somebody that's in the building is like, I just needed this today. I just, I needed to feel this. I needed to be here.